Well, good morning and welcome to Calvary. I am so glad that you have chosen to join us this morning, whether you are here in the room with us or you are watching online. My name is Caitlin Mapes and I am the Next Gen Director at Calvary. And we are in the middle of a series called Sunday School Favorites where we are revisiting some of the stories that we may have heard back in Sunday school. And I don't remember a whole lot uh, about Sunday school, but one of the very first memories of church that I have is actually from Sunday school at the church that I grew up in. And it wasn't about a Bible story I heard or a craft that we did or even a game that we played. This memory is from my favorite part of Sunday school growing up, snack time. So in my Sunday school class, we always had a classic rotation of goldfish or animal crackers, and they'd pass them out to all of us in these little paper cups. And then they would ask us to fold our hands and bow our heads and pray while the snack was sitting right in front of us. And I remember thinking that this was super unfair, and so my solution was to sneak an animal cracker in between my hands while we were praying and try to take some bites. And I thought that I was so sneaky. But apparently I'm not as sneaky as I thought or I'm just a really loud chewer because I totally got caught. And I vividly remember my teacher stopping mid-prayer and yelling at me to put the cracker down. And I felt terrible and I cried a lot and I thought that God was never going to forgive me. And maybe that's where I get my authority issues as an adult or why I'm such a rule follower now, but I still remember that moment to this day. But like I said, we are in the middle of our Sunday School Favorites series. And so far we have learned about Joshua, we've learned about Stephen and the baptism of Jesus. And this week I want to walk us through the story of Queen Esther. And for those of you who may be unfamiliar with her story, you can find the book of Esther in the first half of the Bible in the Old Testament. And if you haven't read it, it's only about 10 chapters long, so I do recommend that you try and read that this week. But feel free to go ahead and open your Bibles or your Bible app to the book of Esther because I will be moving through it and referencing it throughout our time today. But before we dive in, I just want to give a quick overview of the story of Esther. And this is going to be like four of the chapters condensed down, so please bear with me. But at the beginning of this book, we see the king of Persia banishing his queen and then ordering that all beautiful young women in the land be brought to him so he can choose a new queen. And then the king eventually chooses a young woman named Esther. And we also read that Esther was an orphan being raised by her cousin named Mordecai. And shortly after Esther is made queen, Mordecai hears about a plot to kill the king. And then he tells Esther right away. And while in the presence of the king, Esther tells him about the plot and and she saves his life. But then she gives Mordecai the credit and they both win the trust of the king. And the king also had a right-hand man named Haman who didn't love that Mordecai was winning favor with the king. And so Haman tried to put him in his place, but Mordecai refused to back down. And this prompted Haman to go to the king and convince him that the Jews needed to be wiped out and killed. And the king, not knowing that Esther was a Jew, agreed. 
And Mordecai then finds out about this plot and he sends a message to Esther so that she can convince the king to spare the Jews. But Esther is afraid to do this. And starting in Esther chapter 4, verse 11, Esther sends this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. And the king has not called for me to come to him for 30 days. And Mordecai sent this reply to Esther, don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. And who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. And after this, we see Esther calling upon Mordecai and her people to fast and pray. And then jumping to verse 17, Esther decides that though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. And if I must die, then I must die. And we will finish that story in just a little bit. But while I was reading through the story this week, I realized there was so much that I could talk about and so many nuggets of wisdom present in Esther's leadership. But what stood out to me when I read it this time was the fact that Esther seemed to go through a personal journey of doubting herself, doubting others, and doubting the plan. And somehow got to a point where she was willing to respond with courage. In verse 17, she literally says, if I must die, then I must die. And I found myself wondering what it took her to get to that point. And I found myself asking this question. What did it take for Esther to trust? And that's what I want us to focus on today. Because I think at the heart of the Esther story is an invitation to trust God's plan when we're faced with uncertainty. And I don't know about you, but I don't do too well uh, in moments of uncertainty. And it's really, really hard for me to trust that the overall plan of something is good and that the outcome will also be good when I'm presented with a reason to doubt the plan. So last month, I took the high school students on a mission trip to New Orleans, Louisiana, and we had an incredible time. And my students and my leaders did a great job of watching for where God was at work and serving and loving on the people that we met there. And there isn't anything that I would change about that trip now that we are back. But a few months before we left, we had to find a new missions organization to host us for the week because the previous one that we had booked wasn't really working out because of COVID. And I hadn't heard of this new organization before, but a mutual friend had highly recommended them, so we went ahead and we booked our trip with them. But I had a moment early on, on the trip, where something that I experienced made me doubt that the overall plan of the week was good. So on mission trips, we usually spend the day at work sites serving the community, and then we come back together as a large group, and we do a worship service together. And the speaker they had for us that week was very different from any other mission trip speaker that I had heard before. And I wasn't sure if I liked his preaching style or the way that he was wording things during his messages. And I walked away convinced that this whole moment was going to dictate the way that the rest of the trip went. And I seriously thought about pulling our group out of the large group sessions and just doing our own. 
And so I called up a mentor and I asked him what he thought that I should do. And he kind of put me in my place. And he said, hey, God is bigger than this preacher. And you can't assume that the Holy Spirit isn't going to move and work in your students' hearts just because you don't like him. In other words, I needed to trust that God had a plan. And he had us there for a reason and that he would still be glorified despite this moment of uncertainty. And he was right. The entire week, we had incredible discussions after worship, and the students asked really hard and really deep questions because of the things that they were hearing during the messages. But I think all of us have probably had moments in our life, or even in this last year, where we wondered what God was doing or what his plan was where we were afraid of taking a step forward because the level of uncertainty was too big. And maybe we even wondered why God would lead us to this point if his plan was good. For Esther, she was being called into a moment that would determine whether or not she and her people would live or die. And I can't help but wonder what she was thinking in that moment about the God that she served and his plan for her. See, one of the many things that makes the book of Esther unique is that it's one of only two books in the Bible that doesn't mention God. And that doesn't mean that God isn't at work through Esther, or that Esther doesn't recognize that God's at work, or that God is absent in the story. But when I think about other leaders in the Bible, we tend to see God speaking directly to them, or God speaking through another person, to help them get to a place where they trust. And here is Esther, placed in a situation where having God speak directly to her would be super helpful. But we don't see any dialogue between her and God. And I don't think this discredits Esther as a leader at all. Because I think that this shows how much more trust was required from her. And how sometimes when we are faced with uncertainty and we are unsure of the next steps to take, God's voice isn't always super obvious. But that doesn't make his plan any less good. And so what does it look like to trust God when it's hard to understand his plan in the present moment? I think Esther shows us that it looks like remembering how God has proven to be trustworthy. It looks like remembering how God has proven to be trustworthy. And so we can assume that Esther had grown up hearing about the stories of how God was faithful to his people. And how glimpses of his plan had been shown to the world through events like freeing the Israelites from slavery. And providing for them in the desert. And eventually leading them to the promised land. And the Jewish people found identity in the Exodus story and didn't disconnect themselves from the story even decades after the Exodus had happened. It was an event that the Jewish people could find personal identity in because it was proof of God's covenant promise with his people. Even today, people in the Jewish community say that God delivered us because they believe it's a promise that impacts generations. 
And so because Esther grew up Jewish, we can assume that she knew these stories about God and knew that there was power in remembering these stories because it reminded her of the God who delivered them. And it reminded them why they could trust God, even when he seemed silent. And it reminded them that the God who showed up for them in Egypt and had fulfilled part of his plan there would also be here now. And I want you to think this morning for a second. What is that story or that moment for you? Maybe it's the way that God provided financially during a hard season. Maybe he brought peace and comfort during a season of loss. Or maybe it's as simple as remembering how God showed up in big ways during previous mission trips, and so you can trust that he's going to show up now. See, when God seems quiet, we can think back to when his voice was super loud and super obvious. And that reminds us that even if we experience moments of doubt, we can trust that God has worked and will continue to work. I also think the story of Esther shows us that trusting God's plan in the midst of uncertainty also looks like listening to wise counsel. And I know not everyone is like this, but for me, I know sometimes it's easier for me to make a decision after I've talked it through with people that I trust. But when we think about counsel, we also need to be careful that we're listening to advice that is actually wise. And I think Mordecai gives a really great example of what this looks like. And going back to verses 13 and 14 of chapter 4, it says this. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. And at first glance, this seems a little bit harsh. But again, I think Mordecai's response to Esther's doubt shows us what wise counsel looks like. First, we see that Mordecai isn't afraid of being honest. Because the first thing he does is point out the harsh truth that even though she's the queen, that's not going to save her from the decree of the king. And Mordecai also points her to truth about who God is. In verse 14, he says, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. Meaning that if Esther doesn't trust the plan and refuses to take action because of her fear, God will still show up for his people in some other way. Because that's the kind of God that he is. And Mordecai's advice in this moment and the way that he had walked with her throughout her life played into Esther trusting in God's plan. At Calvary, we want every kid to have five adults on their team who are investing in them, walking with them, and helping them understand who Jesus is. And I think stories like this one help us see the benefit in this. When we have mentors in our lives who are invested in our walks with Jesus and who are willing to be honest with us, it helps us experience hope in a God with a plan. And in my moment of doubt on the mission trip, I trusted that a mentor, somebody who knew me well, who knew mission trips well, and who was invested in my walk with Jesus, would be able to speak into that moment. 
And through that, I was able to take a step toward trusting the plan because I heard honest feedback about my leadership and the bigger picture, and I was reminded truth about who God is. But sometimes, honesty is hard to hear. And it's humbling to face the reality that our judgment of a situation is clouded. But what this moment in Esther shows us is that God places people in our lives for a reason. And sometimes he speaks through those people to help us see his plan and trust that it's good. And finally, I think the story of Esther shows us that a step toward trusting God's plan looks like recognizing where God has placed us and what we offer. Whether Esther liked it or not, she had been placed in a position of influence. And she had won favor with the king, and she was left with a choice on whether or not she would take a risk to save her people. And like we talked about before, sometimes it takes someone else pointing that out. Or us trusting wise counsel for us to really understand where God has placed us or what we bring to the table and how we fit into his plan. One of the more famous verses in the book of Esther is the end of Esther 4.14. Where Mordecai is encouraging her to trust God's plan and understand her part in it. And he says to her in verse 14, perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. And other translations of this verse say, perhaps this is the moment for which you have been created. And again, Esther is one of only two books in the Bible that don't ever mention God. But if you read the whole story, it is so obvious that God is at work. Esther, a Jew, becomes queen. And her people are put in danger of becoming wiped out. And here she is having won favor with the king after saving his life. And Mordecai points out to her that she has an opportunity to respond in confidence because of where God has brought her and where God was obviously leading her. See, she was exactly where she was supposed to be for such a time as this. So when I think about the last year and a half of my life, I think there were so many moments when I doubted God's plan for me and wondered why I was called to lead at such a time as this. I think COVID has stretched and tested my leadership in more ways than I've ever experienced in ministry before. And there were moments when I thought that I wasn't qualified, moments when I wanted to give up, and moments where I asked God what he was doing and what he wanted from me. And when I started at Calvary two years ago, I brought this little sign with me for my desk, and it actually has Esther 4.14 written on it. And it says, perhaps this is the moment for which you have been created. And I didn't really realize the significance of it when I bought it. But all last year, when I experienced a tough moment, and it happened a lot, and I doubted God's plan for my life, or his plan for the work that I was doing, I would see that sign sitting in the corner of my desk. And I would remember that I had an opportunity. And I had a choice to be overwhelmed by the moment and forget that God's plan was good. Or to continue to step into those moments and the opportunities that God led me to. 
But I also think that this year I've learned that knowing that God has you here for such a time as this doesn't always make it easier. But it does force you to think about the process by which you got there and how God was at work the whole time. And through Esther recognizing how God had proven to be trustworthy and through her trusting wise counsel and through her recognizing where God had placed her, she was able to trust that God had a plan and that his plan was good, even if it led to her death. And as we continue to read in the book of Esther, we see that despite the law of the time that said if anyone approached the king uninvited, they would be killed, she does eventually approach the king and she reveals that she's a Jew and she begs that the king spare her and her people. And he does. And we see yet another example of God showing up for his people and proving to be trustworthy and proving that his plan is good. But I think it's also important to remember that if Esther hadn't spoken up and the Jewish people had been killed, yes, God would have found another way to fulfill his plan for humanity, like Mordecai said, but the line of David, the lineage of Jesus, would have ended. And so through the Esther story, we also see a glimpse of God's plan for the world to send Jesus, who would show up for all people at such a time as this, when humanity needed a savior. See, I believe the heart of the Esther story is an invitation to trust God's plan when we're faced with uncertainty. And we can trust that God's plan is good because of what Jesus did, what he is doing, and what he will do. But when we look at the world right now, there is so much brokenness and so much need for Jesus. And we have the choice to respond. To respond to fear and pain caused by COVID. To people groups and countries being overtaken. To racism and inequality that we see every day. There there are so many opportunities wherever we look to bring Jesus to the places that need him. And so maybe you'll find yourself in a moment over the next few days where you have the choice to respond so that others get to see a glimpse of God's plan for the world. And maybe that looks like showing up for a friend who is struggling and listening to them. Maybe it looks like donating to relief programs for Afghanistan. Or maybe it looks like actually helping the person experiencing homelessness instead of waiting for somebody else to. Because the Esther story shows us that no matter where we end up, God has us there for such a time as this. And God invites us into his plan to show the world who he is. And so wherever God has you and whatever doubts that you have about where you are or what his plan is, we can trust that God is at work to show that his plan is good. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for being a God that shows up with a plan. God, in moments where we doubt, in moments when we experience uncertainty in our lives, in our path, God, I pray that you would continue to reveal yourself to us. God, that we would remember that you are trustworthy, 
God, that we would seek out the voices who are reminding us of that too. God, and that we would recognize that you are at work. God, help us to walk in that truth and to be bold, God. God, we thank you for who you are, that you are a God with a good plan for us, and help us to walk in that. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.